Today on Security Science, a security researcher walks us through his Patch Tuesday ritual. Hello, and thank you for listening to today's podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing both the bane and salvation of security teams and the start of a month-long fix cycle for IT teams, Microsoft's Patch Tuesday. And my guest today is going to walk us through his monthly Patch Tuesday rituals and giving us some best practices along the way. The internet's most intriguing security researcher, Jay Cran. How's it going? Really good. How are you doing, Awesome. Dan? Oh, I'm doing good. Um, doing some of the research was pretty interesting. So um, I didn't know a lot of these tidbits. I think I just kind of took it for granted that Patch Tuesday existed. It's uh, it's it's a long tradition of uh, not fun. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, it seems to be providing some actual good benefits overall. But here, let's kick it off with the history in case anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about. Patch Tuesday is essentially um, Microsoft Windows. They put conglomerate a bunch of patches over the course of a month, so fixes, primarily security, bugs, things like that, into a monthly cycle of updates. So Patch Tuesday occurs on the second and sometimes fourth Tuesday of each month in North America. And then um, basically they push these updates to Windows Update function on 1800 or 1700 UTC, which maps out to 10 a.m. Pacific time, no matter if we're daylight or savings or not. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, I thought that was really interesting that it's always at the same hour. Uh, uh, you know, and, and, and one kind of interesting thing about the Microsoft patches being released is by that point, you've got the Adobe patches. So you're already kind of like digging through those because they almost always get released earlier. So it kind of goes from Adobe into Microsoft. And then if there's other patches during the day, uh, you, you kind of have the day to kind of dig through them afternoon. Oh, that's fun. Well, I, I think it kind of makes sense, right? Adobe, their past security performance kind of warrants them having a little bit of a head start. <laughs> I think, I don't think they always uh, did it on Patch Tuesday too. There's, it's, a, it's been a while, but at some point they lined them up so that they would be at the same time. You know, like uh, we'll, we'll dig into it, I'm sure. But like this idea of the cadence is really, uh, uh, really key to security these days. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's kind of interesting because what it kicked off October 2003. So I did not know that was when it got formally, I guess, Microsoft formalized this whole process and really kicked off in Windows 98. So Microsoft started including Windows Update that you actually had to install it at the time. It wasn't kind of part of the operating system, but it would check for patches um, to Windows and all the components. So Microsoft Office, you know, the whole subset, um, if you're running server, any of that stuff um, intermittently, and it would kind of just hold all these patches and then all of a sudden release them every Tuesday. And you know what? They actually put a little bit of thought into the date as well. So um, Tuesday was chosen apparently because it was the optimal day of the week to distribute software patches. It maximizes the amount of time available before the upcoming weekend. So hopefully IT and security teams can get a weekend um, and gives them a little bit of time to correct any issues that might arise with those patches. And it gives uh, Monday free to address any unanticipated issues, um, server downtime, things like that. So um, that may have popped up from the preceding weekend. So Jay yeah. Cran, 
I mean, Monday's always a scramble, right? And, you know, yep. you get back into the office or, or I guess back into the home at this point. Uh, and and <laughs> Tuesday's actually like a really nice nice day to do it just because it does give you that time to deal with it over the week. And and we get a lot of questions on Tuesday itself of like, should, should we accelerate this patch or that patch? You know, and, and do you guys have any information about this this bug or that bug? Uh, and so Tuesday's always, you know, a little bit of hectic around Kenna. Uh, but I, I like those questions because it, it shows people are digging into the, you know, the details of it and trying to figure out that that it's, should we create a fire drill or not? Speaking of, I know there's a term exploit Wednesday. So that would denote right. Patch Tuesday hit exploit Wednesday was when, uh, you know, uh, ostensibly all the bad guys on the Internet started looking at the patch notes and figuring out what they could exploit a lot faster. Bad guys. Bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Is that still a thing? I mean, do people diff the patches uh, day of or, you know, on Wednesday uh, ahead of trying to understand what the actual bug is? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, that the mitigations have gotten good enough inside uh, Windows, especially that, uh, you know, you're not going to see an exploit released on Wednesday in general. Uh, especially for memory corruption bugs, they can take weeks or months or even years. You know, some of the research, you know, kind of points to this idea that you can still be exploited from a, a bug that's never been seen three years down the road. Uh, but uh, in general, uh, I would say it takes a little bit longer with Microsoft just because of all the mitigations that are in place. Ah, interesting. So uh, not necessarily time-based, but more dependent on the actual vulnerability and or bad thing itself yeah they should really call it like patch diffing wednesday right like you're spending all that time <laughs> time digging into it to try to understand where the vulnerable code path is and and by the way like you mentioned october 2003 is when they formalized it but i but i think uh you know the trustworthy computing memo was like 1995 like that was a long time before that was there a patch tuesday before 2003 and you're digging I, I i i don't know so yeah yeah it just wasn't actually like a formal process so it Got did it. exist uh, leading up into them, October 20, 2003 was when Microsoft was like, oh, yeah, we're this is Patch Tuesday. This is how we're going to do it from now on. And they've kind of stuck with that. Um, the only exception is they've done a few out of band, right? right. Patch days. And that's typically something really bad. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they might also if they have a big enough, um, I guess, group of patches, they might also push to the fourth Tuesday of the month. And those are typically not security related updates. Mm. So Got when it. they get a big batch of security related updates, they might just put all those in the initial, you know, second Tuesday of the month um, cadence like normal. And then they might push a second one um, on the fourth. So pretty interesting. It, it is super interesting. I think they committed uh, right before everything kind of hit uh, earlier this year, kind of as it was happening, that they would only do security patches uh, uh, in your digging. Did you find anything about that? Uh, no, I did not see any of that. Well, we could look it up. We should. Yeah, it's like a, it, there was an announcement made earlier this year that they would really focus on security patches just for stability during during this time. And that's why I think you're seeing more security patches, uh, or at least it's a big component of why you know the, the latest patch Tuesdays have been pretty heavy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So Microsoft has committed to really doubling down on their security investigations and reporting for patches, um, especially with COVID and everything going on. Um, so if anyone's listening decades down the line, uh, we're going through the uh, COVID uh, 
2020 pandemic slash 2020, the year that, you know, the world lit on fire and we're all just kind of sitting here and dealing with it. But anyway, yeah, Microsoft has been pushing um, record numbers of security patches. Uh, the last few, I think April was the first record and then June, right? The last one was also a new record setting uh, uh, patch Tuesday in terms of total number of patches issued, right? Yeah, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but that sounds right. Yeah. You know what? That stuff, we'll get into a little bit later, but it does yield better security overall. So um, with that, Jcran, do you mind running us through? Like, what's your ritual? What, what do you do? Start prepping uh, Monday night, you know, put the uh, aspirin on the bedside table for when you wake up. Like, <laughs> No, no. Uh, so, so I'm central time zone, so it hits a little later for me, which is nice. Uh, and so, you know, the biggest thing is we just try to get the information as soon as it's available on Microsoft sites. So we have scrapers that go out and grab that information. Uh, you know, NVD often ends up being uh, a little delayed. Uh, the information will be available on Microsoft site. In theory, they are released at the same time. Uh, but what we find is that sometimes, you know, uh, MITRE and NVD can lag a little. And so, you know, we'll pull that information down, dig through it. And I'm really looking for things at this point that are, you know, particularly scannable or particularly warmable, partially because that's my interest, but also partially because like those things tend to present risk faster than other things, just because if you can find the software, fingerprint it, detect it uh, and find it vulnerable, uh, th those things tend to be, you know, particularly interesting. How do you determine if something's wormable versus not? Um, well, you look for something that's remote code execution in general. Um, you know, if you can if you can run code on the server, uh, then that's usually uh, wormable. And and scannable, it really just comes down to the type of software. So like Exchange, uh, SharePoint, uh, uh, you know, those those types of software. And anything anything in Office is pretty interesting, right? Office has been under attack for the last two three years, uh, especially uh, macro related things. And any bug that you can use to sort of get user side execution uh, through a file uh, is particularly interesting. Um, so you look for these kind of like, you look for the attack patterns that you know attackers are using. And if there's new bugs in that, um, those are things that are probably gonna pick up pretty quickly. And so we, we don't do a ton of patch diffing. If there is a particularly interesting thing, uh, we will uh, you know potentially look through it, pull out bin diff uh, and try to understand the, the underlying uh, fundamentals of what's changed. And um, otherwise, you know, we're looking at things like ZDI, uh, the zero day initiative uh, for, for kind of advanced analysis pretty quickly. Those folks tend to, to put some really good detailed analysis out there. And if there's been anything uh, particularly uh, exploited in the wild, that's also stuff we're looking for. We'll go back and dig through our own intelligence and see if we can figure out if, you know, these are things that we've seen already or not. Yeah. On a month to month basis, um, how many times do you typically see something you think, oh, we should probably go patch that immediately? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so so usually there's one or two. This 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 whole concept of the fire drill, I think if there, there's, uh, I think programs and teams are getting sufficiently advanced to where, uh, you know, they're, they're just knowing that they need to make those decisions. And so they're, they're ultimately trying to put things into one of one of two boxes. It's either, you know, delay this and do it as part of the normal cadence, or we need a fire drill around this. Uh, we need all hands on deck. We need to find where this software is and we need to get it patched. And so, you know, how many fire drills? Well, the, mo the one that most recently comes to mind is the DNS bug uh, that was that was last month or, or this month, I guess, at this point, we're still in July. Um, that was, you know, effectively, if you can make a, a DNS server, make a request to a, a malicious server through recursive DNS, which is pretty low bar, bar to, barrier to entry, 
that's that's a that's a wormable bug, and so that's a thing you're going to need to accelerate. And so so things like that, anything that needs to be put in the fire drill bucket, um, is is stuff that you're going to want to patch right away. Hmm. It seems like a pretty clear cut what those are most of the time looking just at descriptions for uh, the vulnerabilities themselves, the patches. Yeah. It's a combination of things. It's like, you really do have to dig a level deeper than just the software, just the version. You know, is it, is it a default configuration? Uh, Is this something that is very prevalent? Really what you're looking for is prevalence. Um, Is this something that's particularly prevalent in our environment? Um, you're trying to understand what's the impact to us. And there's always limited information. I mean, Microsoft does a really fantastic job in comparison to other vendors about providing detailed information that helps you understand what the impact's going to be. Uh, but, you know, like uh, every every little bit helps. And this is why, like, I'm all for patch stiffing. You know, if you can give me better information about what's, uh, what's really vulnerable, uh, and I can use that to decide whether I'm going to get folks out of bed or not, uh, that's, that's super helpful. To that end, do you use any kind of tooling? I, I know, uh, I mean, Intrigue.io, I you use that all the time for, uh, you know, scanning, fingerprinting, stuff like that. What are some of the tool sets you use uh, when you're trying to do these kind of Patch Tuesday diffing? Yeah, so, so I mean, the biggest thing is prevalence. So actually, I spend most of my time kind of going through uh, Kana's database, trying to understand, you know, is, is this... Uh, and it takes a while for the scanners to pick up. Uh, so, you know, the, you, you, you got to go through this process of like the information has been released. It needs to be loaded into the various vulnerability scanners. And then it, you know, eventually makes its way into uh, Kana and makes its way into kind of like the risk-based tools. And, and so there can be a delay in us understanding the prevalence. But what we can do is go back and look at the software uh, that's running and look at the kind of like most common uh, using CPEs. CPEs are uh, common platform enumeration, basically versions of, of software. Um, using that information, we can kind of understand what the scenario is going to look like for a particular piece of software. Again, it's missing some information, but it's enough to kind of give us a sense of it. Um, and, and that tends to be the bulk of the analysis that we're doing is just trying to understand the impact from uh, how many systems are vulnerable and then what does it actually mean to be vulnerable for this thing. There's, there's, you know, there's a lot of analysis around how, what does it mean to be vulnerable. There's not great information always about how many of these systems are actually vulnerable. And that's what we end up doing with, with both Kenna and Intrigue data. Kind of fingerprinting which ones, you know are facing the internet, which ones are actually accessible, which ones can we hit, that kind of thing. And you can use stuff like Shodan and Census and things like that to understand as well. You know, like the, increasingly there's there's uh, great fingerprinting around DNS data um, or DNS servers. Um, there's increasingly great fingerprinting around network uh, network services, that sort of thing. Well, that's fun stuff. And I I guess we can take us to the next stage of like, does this actually help? Is Patch Tuesday ultimately, you know, beneficial or like, you know, a lot of IT teams spend a lot of time uh, parsing this data, trying to apply patches, testing, making sure things, you know, don't uh, don't bring their servers down, don't, you know, crash the CEO's laptop on accident, things like that. So, you know, there's a lot of risk um, and a lot of effort that goes into, you know, these monthly cycles of patching. So... Well, you bring up a, a really good point. I mean, like the Grub uh, bootloader vulnerability that just came out last week, which affects Microsoft systems and Linux systems. Um, you, you know, and a lot of the discussion around that bug is like, this is a very serious bug in certain circumstances. If you've got administrative access on the computer or you have physical access to the computer, like this is 
game over. So if you chain it with this other thing, that's already pretty bad. But at the same time, that's such a fundamental component of the system that if you mess up the patch and you rush out a patch, like you can brick a system easily. And like that's far worse consequence than, uh, you know, somebody running adware on the, the box. Right. It's not self-inflicted the, ransomware. A, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, it's worth understanding what those systems are going to do. And you'll see more advanced teams, you know, testing out patches in a specific test environment before they roll them out. And so. You know, I think does Patch Tuesday help? Absolutely, but there's some caveats to that. One thing it's done uh, is get teams on a regular cadence, and it kind of forces this idea of every month for this week we're going to be pushing out patches to systems, and it at least helps uh, create that that you know routine that uh, helps helps people maintain systems because maintaining systems is not fun. This is not fun work. Um, not the sexy stuff. It is not the sexy stuff at all. But it is some of the most fundamental and important stuff. And one thing, you know, I, I remember the P2P, I think it was V4, where we were, we were digging into what are the most effective ways to ensure that your vulnerability management program is more successful than others, relatively. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure you remember this. It's the automated patch deployment systems. Like that was a huge factor. And so, uh, and that makes sense, right? Like you get these patches, they, they come into your system, takes a little bit to get information. Maybe you do some quick testing across all your different environments and then you push the button and you roll out patches to each of those systems, uh, either simultaneously or on kind of a rolling schedule. And that's the ideal scenario, right? Is, is you've tested it, it's, you know, it's going to work and, uh, and then you roll it out automatically. Does it always work like that in practice? Heck no. Uh, and you've always got those kind of systems that sit in the corner and the exchange server, of course, gets patched manually. Uh, but in the end, uh, does Patch Tuesday help? Uh, you know, I think those are a couple of data points that just you know, really reinforce the point that it's, it's uh, very helpful. I know you had some other ideas and points around this as well. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because we've kind of touched on Microsoft a few different times in the prioritization uh, prediction series. Um, the last one, we did really an asset-centric view. So we were looking at software versions versus Linux versions versus embedded systems, right? Printers, network devices, all that good stuff. Um, and Windows, uh, I should say Microsoft, by far has the largest amount of vulnerabilities of any of the classes, but they also made up 70% of um, the assets, right? Of the assets. Yeah. Right. Like, like they're just, they're so prevalent in business machines that, yeah, of course there's going to be more because one Microsoft is putting in concerted effort to have people pen test and submit bugs and find, uh, you know, holes in software and are really on the leading edge of that. And they're just so prevalent, of course, you know, that's, that's, if I'm going to target something, I'd go after something that people are using a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's the case study in scale. Um, you look at other companies that push patches on a regular basis, Oracle, uh, Google also is, is definitely a case study in scale. Uh, though that's, you know, all of that would be centered around the browser where Microsoft has many patches and many you know, sort of manual, manual deployment mechanisms as well. And it's kind of grown into this leader uh, in how to do this right. And to be clear, you need a certain amount of scale to do this really, really well, because if you think about those patch servers and the value of those patch servers to an attacker, you probably don't want, you know, 
Joe arbitrary company uh, running patch servers, which are pushing patches to all your, you know, whatever widget. Um, this is this is like patch servers in and of themselves are kind of interesting targets for an attacker, given they provide binary code to systems uh, to run. And just kind of an interesting tidbit there. But Microsoft has done that really, really well. And to my knowledge, there's never been like a particular incident around those servers. And thus, you know, the scale that they're operating at, um, I know uh, you'd mentioned this earlier, 119 vulnerabilities per month on a given Windows asset. And, and they get patched within 36 days. Like, that's incredible. That's incredible. Millions and millions uh, worldwide that are patched literally every month. 36 days is just impeccable. It's the fastest by far of any of the device classes we saw. Yeah, network devices were were um, much lower in terms of vulnerabilities and much slower to patch for obvious reasons, right? It's very manual, uh, but it was something, it was kind of like astounding in the difference. It was like uh, three, four vulnerabilities a month and uh, an average of a year to fix. Yep. It's crazy. So that's, yeah, I was joking, I think, earlier um, with Ed and I was like, yeah, I haven't, better go patch my router. It's been a couple <laughs> years, right? I mean, you might as well throw it away, right? Like, uh, <laughs> can you can you even run the latest firmware on it? And by the way, it's storming. I don't know if you can hear it in the background. Yeah. Uh, wow. That was, <laughs> stay safe. I hope you don't lose your internet connection. Uh, no, no. It's nice to get a little rain. Um, you might as well go open source and just, you know, go grab uh, the latest. Uh, WRT? Yeah. There's a, yeah. there's a couple of them now. Yeah. But what about my printer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's I don't next. know of any open printer firmware. Uh, I, I'm not, yeah, me neither, actually. If it gets that old, can you still buy cartridges? I mean, I have a laser printer here from 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Well, I think, don't they even make the cartridges proprietary? Yeah. Right? Isn't that the whole thing? They're all electronically coated with chips, so you can't use, you know, knockoffs as easily? I don't know. Uh, I know that they have the little, you know, the little printer codes yep. that come on every page. This printer might be so old that it doesn't actually print printer codes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was a big thing a couple of years ago when that was used to uh, basically f find people uh, that were distributing information. Oh, yeah. The watermarks. Yes. Uh, it, it just reminds me of when you use uh, Reddit posts now they always have like a little embed when you download the pictures so you know who it's from i was like that's awesome way to go reddit oh wow yeah um you know i think when we're getting back to the conversation of you know the efficacy of microsoft patch tuesday what's interesting about it is you can actually really clearly see the impact when you start looking at the end of life operating systems um that they stop supporting and so this was super interesting because when we're looking at the overall um, remediation rates, it varies wildly for these unsupported operating systems. So um, I think Windows XP was by far the worst, and they still had 75% plus of their vulnerabilities unpatched after two years. And then when you look at all of the current gen systems, so Windows 8, right? Um, uh, Windows 10, all the brand new uh, Windows Server packages that are still within support, they're all right on top of each other in terms of remediation rates. So, um, you know, 50% within roughly just over a month, they're hitting 75, 80% and beating out um, Apple products actually up until, you know, month four or so. So very, very interesting. You clearly they're driving remediation of their vulnerabilities at like, just like you said, spectacular scale. Yeah. Awesome. J. Cran. Well, 
what are the three things, right? What are the, the last considerations people should be, uh, should be uh, keeping in mind uh, next time Patch Tuesday rolls around? Yeah, good question. Uh, I would say, you know, get your timelines so you can be aware of the releases and buy yourself as much time as possible. So, you know, talking in Pacific time, uh, by 8 a.m., you should be looking for the Adobe release. Uh, by 10 a.m., the Microsoft release. And and by the way, uh, make sure to subscribe uh, to the Microsoft updates because sometimes they'll they'll send additional updates after the fact. And uh, keep an eye on the Microsoft Exploitability Index. Uh, that's a thing. It's kind of a one-time thing. That I don't I don't believe that they keep it continuous like Canada does, but it's at least a, a quick. Uh, quick check to where they think this is going to be exploitable or not, or has it been exploitable, exploited in the wild? Uh, and that's really a good indicator of, of whether this is something that might need to be accelerated or not. And obviously keep an eye out for keywords like RCE and uh, exploited in the wild. And then, you know, you can always go to kennaresearch.com and go to the EPSS calculator, plug in the information that you have, how many references, uh, uh, who is the vendor, in this case, Microsoft or Adobe, and get a kind of rough estimation of how likely this is to be exploited in the wild. So if you need a tiebreaker, you know, you got an argument on your team, oh, we should fix this one or this one. Uh, uh, highly recommend going to kennaresearch.com and hitting that EPSS calculator. Awesome. That sounds like a fun argument to have. <laughs> awesome. Well, appreciate the time, Jay Cran. Um, like he said, um, I will be linking some of these, what, Zero Day Initiative. We'll link some of the Microsoft uh, subscription services. I'll link Intrigue, Shodan, um, and EPSS along in some of the resources on our podcast page, which is also on kennerresearch.com. And other than that, you know, stay safe and have a fun month-long cycle of patching. <laughs>